I love that you went so deep into business because that's how I approach it. And a lot of times people are a little softer with, you know, that's that part of it. But I feel like that is a very, like maybe the, well, maybe not. That's like neck and neck for the most important part of publishing. So thanks yeah. for- Besides what? Besides, besides profitability, Joe? No, it all comes down to numbers, but, but you know, <laughs> you, you have to try to get to your numbers with passion and love and, and uh, and and nurturing and and just you know be a good person and, and work hard at it and you know so it, it's it's the you know you, you want to counterbalance we all need to stay in business and make money and thrive and you know and but but just continue to get better at the same time so that's uh that's a good challenge uh when you wake up every morning right hi i'm joe beal the founder and ceo of microcosm publishing i'm also the author of a people's guide to publishing which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 28 years. I'm Ellie Blue, the Vice President of Microcosm. We started this podcast to share what we've learned with newer publishers so you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to learn about the publishing industry. This week, we have special guest Anthony Goff of Blackstone Publishing. Anthony, can you tell us a little bit about like your background? I've been in the industry for God more than 30 years now, or almost 30 years. It's nuts how fast time goes. But I started out at Macmillan in um, in marketing and, and moved to Penguin. Worked at Penguin for about four and a half years. Again, sales, marketing, then ad promo um, uh, for paperbacks and then, and then Plume. I left Penguin went to Simon & Schuster, spent almost seven years at Simon & Schuster, uh, again, started out in sales, uh, clients, distribution, uh, marketing. So uh, a lot of a lot of sales, marketing, and publishing experience. After Simon & Schuster, I spent the better part of the last two decades at Hachette. So I was running the audio business at Hachette. I was running the large business at Hachette and in charge of content development um for the better part of 17 plus years and uh, had been working with blackstone for many of those years uh so we were good tight partners and uh and they were trying to woo me and eventually won the uh won the game so i've been at blackstone now about a year and a half uh, going on yeah time is just flying i i still feel like i'm in my 20s although i don't look and sound it um right now but uh mentally you know I could I could still be in my in my middle twenties and um, and love the industry, love books, love love what we're doing. You know the again the collective passion of the groups that I've worked with through the years. So uh, so that's how I ended up at Blackstone, just kind of like rising through and and uh, from sales to marketing to the publishing office with books and and then uh, really in charge of the publishing business. You know at, at points um there was no finance manager so i became the finance manager right when you deal with some small divisions it's all it's all hands on deck so uh there was no sales director so i became the sales director there was no you know marketing head so you know and and so um you know so all good but it's it's those little pieces of growth that kind of add up and you know i like to think we're all getting wiser with age and, and uh have seen a lot through the years mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, so I realize you're relatively new to like 
running things at Blackstone, um, but can you tell us a little bit about the company's history? Like, how did it grow from making cassette tapes in the garage to being a large independent publishing house? Like one of yeah, the biggest yeah. audio publishers, literally. <laughs> for sure, right? Yeah. So, so it was all about audio for, uh, for really. 30 plus of the last 35, 37 years that the company has been around. It started when the founder, uh, before he founded this, he was commuting back and forth in California, sitting on, you know, California freeways in traffic, heavy reader, very smart guy, and just thought like, I wish I could be listening to more of my books right now and decided hell you know um you know I, I think he got a little bit tired of the corporate world and next thing you know he's recording books um on the california coast they they moved up to ashland oregon for a key reason because the shakespeare uh shakespeare festival is up there international festival great actors coming from around the world they've been doing it for decades and decades and so uh there was this nest uh community of fantastic actors that he was getting to read books that you could not find audio um and it was a tiny little operation there was a handful of people including my boss now josh stan who has been working there since he was in high school and his his wife stephanie who oversees all of our design and you know they were literally packing cassettes and and learning the business right so that's one thing about blackstone a lot of the people who were there have been there for a long time but kind of grew up quote unquote learning and understanding every single facet of the business and uh and so you know now we have almost twenty thousand plus titles in our audio catalog some unbelievable amazing evergreen backlist we've been for the last four or five years actively acquiring all rights um and that's the other thing blackstone has always been self-sufficient you know in all the years i've worked with them they've been very tech savvy very forward thinking uh quick to move quick to quick to do things right whereas in all the corporations you know that i worked at sometimes it's a little bit more like a cruise ship and i like to think of blackstone on jet skis so we're we're pretty quick to turn quick to pivot but quick to make some make some decisions you know we just uh we just acquired ira 11's catalog so uh rosemary's baby son of rosemary boys from brazil stepford wives all these great classics and 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 that contract was still in play and we're talking with the estate ira 11's uh son nick and um he's like you know what we we should get something out for halloween bang four weeks later we put out a, a new package of rosemary's baby in paperback you know late in september uh to capture some sales this month going into this great season and so these are the things that you know you can do being a smaller company but well uh, yeah we've grown from what was then probably five family members to uh, almost 250 so uh and, and they're not all family but there's there's some good uh there's some good relationships in there there's uh you know I had always run my divisions inside of corporations like a family which sometimes stood out in a good way sometimes you know it's like it wasn't the corporate way but what i always loved about blackstone was just the energy the passion and the togetherness right like 
hey, not mo- most families aren't all uh, or, or are, I should say, uh, dysfunctional to some degree, love each other to, to other degrees, but they make it work. They get through it together. They support each other. Right. It's not like cutthroat. It's not. It's it's like the tie that raises all boats. Right. So uh, so we support each other. And, uh, and, and um, you know, kind of, it, it's a democracy in that any idea is a good idea. We take them all in. It doesn't matter if it has anything to do with your job or not. If you have good feedback, how can we get better? How can we grow? You know, we're, we're listening and we're acting on it. So, uh, so I love that about this business. It's kind of like best of both worlds. You know, we're global. We're doing our own stuff and uh, our own audio printing you know our own recording we have studios on both coasts so uh so not only do we mag- manufacture cds etc um you know in our on our own campus we record on both coasts we print our own books and uh and that's the x factor right when everybody was short with printing over the last couple of seasons we actually have invested many millions of dollars in printers and uh and people don't know that about blackstone but on the print side these are some of the most gorgeous hardcovers and paperbacks you will see special effects i mean it all happens right there so we are putting all of the touches on these to stand out and make that name for ourselves because you know we're not the prh we're not the simon and schuster's of the world so uh it's about relationships standing out and and uh you know loving who you work with and and working closely together right so all good fantastic and and i love it i mean i love that as a leadership philosophy and i love it that also that four of my own books were recorded by shakespearean actors in ashland which is you know nice. like when you when you like turn over the back cover and you're like oh huh that's kind of flattering in like the wildest way i never would have thought that could happen you know yeah but i, I love that it's it's a beautiful swath of the earth. You know, they were so smart to settle there, just rolling hills and vineyards. And, you know, I mean, it, it's so pretty, the Pacific Northwest, and it's quiet. And and yet, you know, um, now, now we've become not only bi-coastal, but international. So we're printing in the UK. Well, you know, we're always working closely with Canada, but we're, we're doing a lot to expand globally. And, um, you know, and with that comes a lot of challenges, a lot of fun learning moments. Uh, but it's but it's exciting every day. You never know what's going to happen, so it's uh, it's really a thrill. So, like, what are the values? I mean, you touched on like a lot of practices that really separate you from more traditional publishing and definitely like more legacy publishing. But what are some other like values and practices that you feel like really make Blackstone stand alone? I I think that like we like to work with people right there's what what our philosophy and practice is right so so to make that name for ourselves we've worked with authors like we're innovative and we will not try to fit into a mold so when people have different ideas for for ancillary businesses for ancillary type of works to projects for something out of the box we're experimental so in practice you know we like to really push the envelope and just because somebody else hasn't done it 
you know, we get excited by things like that, to be innovative, to kind of break down, knock down some walls. And so, uh, so we're doing that right now with a, with a few projects and, and just talking to a lot of other companies. We, we not only print our own books and our own, uh, manufactured audio, uh, but we sell digital direct. We sell direct to consumer, we sell direct to library. We have our own sales force. So we're, we're doing everything that the big five quote unquote publishers are doing um, just in a, you know, in, in a more of a microcosm and a, and a little bit of a smaller universe. However, you know, our expansion opportunity is, is equally as big. So we're, we're just looking at the areas we want to kind of um, tighten up and, and continue to grow, be it sales, international sales, printing, printing other people's projects. Right now, we are kind of the sole distributor, right? We, we're black man standing in that CD world, which everybody's like, CDs, who listens to CDs? But, but you know, the honestly like okay so new cars might not have cd players but it's still a huge percentage of our revenue in that we're we're printing and manufacturing and selling for uh soon to be prh but um harper collins simon and schuster hachette you know all like we're we're the the library sales force for them and we're now selling at retail for them because a lot of that business has gotten smaller and smaller. So we're kind of the last man standing. So we're holding on to, you know, and doubling down on audio. Audio still, I think, has a lot of projected growth. We still feel great about that business. Um, but while people were growing in audio organically, right? So all of the major houses started producing more and more of our audio. Uh, our CEO was innovative and smart enough to say, okay, let's compete in a little bit of a different way and expand into all rights. So now we could not only um, do their audio, but we could do their print. We are also another key differentiator uh, in, in addition to printing our own books is we're selling film rights ourselves. So uh, I, I believe we sold like 36 um, projects in the last 12 months like we have 72 projects in play all the big players netflix hulu apple tv you know uh, all the studios so we have our own division which is a very small division if you'd imagine um but uh but somebody who's a master at that and 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 just allowing the authors to have a voice right be granular be grassroots but also sell them in the uk if we can and 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 sell them to net and, and you know and, and we're doing some ip stuff so it's it's all of these things to be like a one-stop shop um never mind i love the fact that we're independent you know we're an american company we're family owned i i feel like a lot of people want to see blackstone win right because because we have uh, those uh american values that that small town feel but we're you know we're also in midtown manhattan you know and, and we right. can see anybody and you know at, at barnes and noble or or google you know when when i'm doing my uh you know uh meetings we're at the table with all of the key players because you know we expect to be and uh and and we want to innovate so we're trying to give these clients something that other publishers won't right we're we're flexible with so many things uh and in corporations you have a lot less flexibility there's a lot more glass ceiling 
So, uh, so we'll go into Audible, do something exclusive. We'll go into Barnes and Noble and and give them something that they can then share with their right. We want to see these people grow. We need them. We need these bookstores. We need these accounts. We want, you know, we want everybody to rise, and uh, and we put that out there. It's not like about you know us being scared. We're we're totally excited. Whereas I've been in some other cultures where they're they're afraid of the Amazons of the world, and we understand like they're powerful. But how can we work with? How can we play best? How can we be fair? And you know. Want to be fair. Want to expect fairness in return, and I understand. You know that's hard when you have some global monopolies, right? But at, but at the same time, there's always a win-win. I've always had that philosophy, and we put that into practice, um, and that's what we expect from our partnerships. So uh, awesome. So that's well, that's that's about that's a lot of the theory. Yeah, let's uh, get back down into sort of some small picture practicality. A lot of our um, listeners and viewers of this podcast are publishers um, with a wide range of experience, very established, very new. And I think that a question that a lot of sort of new to medium age publishers have is like, how do I go about audio licensing? And I was wondering when Blackstone is licensing titles for audio rates, like what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, we're looking for, you know, the company was kind of built on evergreen, right? We've expanded uh, at one point just last year, the year before, we're, we're publishing 1,500 plus, 1,700 titles a year. Right? So a lot of growth and a lot, a, a lot of uh, toes in the water, if you will, playing all of the fields, experimenting with all of the genres, right? But um. Audio is not cheap to uh, to create, and uh, it, it's it's a rather expensive format. So you have to be you have to be smart about it, right? You have to see what 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 is sticky. Really, you know, I, I've worked with the APA for years. I was on the board for fifteen plus years. I you know I was a, a vice president and a president of uh, the association. I I do believe in the Audio Publishers Association as a family unit almost because it was always like audio publishers against the world right we were we were always kind of like the small uh, we were off the radar until we were like bam right in the middle of the target like okay what are you going to bring for us today audio you know when when they were really leaning on audio and, and continue to now so we've watched that evolution but it's a it was always it was never like you know us against uh another audio publisher was like us as audio publishers putting our best foot forward right we all like to think um as publishers like what if it's the first time somebody hears this book right you you have to do service to the author so it's all about um that relationship bringing that work to life and not only bringing it to life but expanding the market for that author and so um I would say, you know, it, it's not easy, but certain things lend themselves lend themselves better to audio than others. However, the with the format growth, like just about anything and everything could be in audio these days, right? There's so many different ways you could you could adapt and and publish and and what I always like to do and what I would say to your smaller independent print publishers is think about the audio format as as a complement to your book because 
I, you know, being uh, the audio publisher inside of a global corporation for, for um, you know, a decade and a half or more, I always, I always wanted to sell more of every format. We didn't want to undercut the print or the ebook. We wanted to add to the, you know, the width of the sales. And so there are ways where you can sell more print books through audio, right? You can, you can complement the, not everything is an experience in the same way. So when you're reading a certain type of book, it's very different than when you're listening to it. So somebody who's read, you know, Ira Levin, a good example, um, somebody who's read Rosemary's Baby or Stepford Wives back in the day, well, they may love the fact that we're going after some A-list celebrities to record the Stepford Wives. And the Stepford Wives actually never existed in audio before. So next oh. year we're releasing that. And and so like somebody who read that book or has seen the movie, um, you know, uh, will we'll come back to it. They, they may expect Nicole Kidman to be the narrator, but, you know, like, we'll see what we can do, you know? Every author's <laughs> like, well, you know, every author's like, well, you know, I hear Morgan Freeman's voice or James Earl Jones would be fantastic. You know, like, what about Helen Mirren? You know, right. so uh, next thing you know, you, you could spend six figures plus just uh, just on the, the narration if you hire at that level, so. But it's, yeah. uh, it's a fun challenge. When whenever yeah celebrities are dangled, people are like, "What about a bigger celebrity?" And you're like, "Well, that's not really what's on the table here." But yeah. so like, and you know, generally speaking, like, what's a formula for a successful title in audio? Like, what maybe would be different about that rollout, or like, what would a publisher maybe do differently to support that title's success? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, nonfiction, you think of what had driven growth of the audio industry back in the earliest days, right? Before there even was like an APA or there was the word audio book, right? Everybody had said books on tape, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I like to tell the story of Robert Kiyosaki selling Rich Dad, Poor Dad from his trunk, right? So he was doing these seminars, nonfiction, uh, particularly, right? People whose voices are important, whose, uh, you know, every author feels their, their, their written voice is important. But on the nonfiction side, you have people who like, um, like Robert, like Malcolm Gladwell, like, uh, you know, even preachers like, you know, Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer in the years where, you know, these people um, talk for a living or they teach for a living or, right? And so uh, Robert saw the need where he was running seminars all over the country and then to be the world. And it was like $1,500 a ticket, but he would sell out an auditorium and well, well, then you get like a thousand people, about the thousands of people who couldn't make it to that seminar in Boston on a rainy Saturday, you know, so, so like audio is an expansion. It's, it's just a way of growth uh, to, to kind of spread. And, and I, I, um, I always like it when I'm talking to an author um about cementing their legacy right because a lot of times th this book is what they've worked on for their life or this is what they do for a living it's, it's really critical to their success and um particularly with some big names who are like oh i can't read the audio book you know like i don't have time for that 
Um, for example, just recorded Robert Downey Jr. this week in LA. Um, we're doing a book with him next year with Tom Costigan, Cool Food. And, and you know, Robert knows, like, okay, his legacy's cemented in, in, you know, numerous ways above audiobooks. But for some other authors, it's a way that your voice can be heard for generations after we're gone. So whenever I talk to people, it's like, here it is. It's your story. It's your art. It's your craft. And you're recording this. And a hundred years from now, that that digital audio file is going to still exist, and you know we'll be long gone by then. So, um, so I think about that kind of stuff in in books that you feel would be evergreen, um, and and are timeless and a classic and and that kind of thing, right? Fiction is a little bit different. It's it's a little bit more movie in your ear. It's a little bit more right. So we talk about celebrities, but not every celebrity is a good audiobook narrator. It's a different craft, right? So. Um, so there are narrators who have their own followings inside the audio community where people don't even care what the book is about. But I love Scott Brick, so <laughs> I'll listen to everything he reads. Or I, you know, like there's there's lots of narrators, you know, January and the boy. There, there's just tons of people out there through the years who who, who have such beautiful voices and are such finely honed actors and it is it is a different skill you are locked in the studio for days on end and and there's no crowd to play off of you know so so it's difficult for some people who are live performers but um you know it's uh it's a it's always fun and, and we always try to make it enjoyable for them so what prompted this um move into print um it looks like in 2015, you all started publishing books in print as well as audio. Um, yeah, what, yeah, what led to that? And then how has it been going? That's a great question, Ellie, because I did I did start getting into that a little bit earlier. And the real reason was when, when all of the other publishers, like audio was kind of growing, 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 double digits every year. It's been like such a beautiful growth chart. Um, so, so many of the publishers in the US were really ramping up. And 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 so Blackstone came into existence by acquiring, filling a need for publishers, right? Because audiobooks are expensive. A lot of publishers don't have their own studios, um, didn't have their own teams, didn't have, you know, all of the the producers, the QC, the editors, and, and all of that stuff are very different in the audio world than they are in the print world. So we were filling that need and then with the growth publishers started publishing more and more and more of their own titles and there was less and less on the licensing front so uh so my boss took that as as a good mark like okay you know they're if they're going to keep the rights to theirs let's compete on on the print level and and find the opportunities there for people who want to work with independent publishers and you know teams like that's the beauty of blackstone so i'm um, the president my boss is the ceo we'll have calls with authors with not only our our uh you know head of marketing head of publicity you know and, and publicists and, and etc but like the brass of the company will be on these calls you'll have the coo you'll have the ceo you'll have the president you'll have like the the board basically nurturing authors brainstorming with different things we could do and it's an it's an all-in like no job is too small for us no job is too big 
but um but he just thought right with with the crunch of right availability in audio let's go after it um and invest in in what these authors want which is to be available in every single format right so aside from even selling their movie rights that's not something that many global publishers get to do we get these rights that larger houses don't because we are smaller we we can pivot we we will spend seven figures on an acquisition if we feel it's the right thing to do but like we're less interested in that and more interested in where can we really work with somebody who wants to be innovative with us and and not only like the film rights and the multiple formats and the international but we're, we we do our own merch we're printing our own t-shirts we're doing our own tote bags like we literally have a printer where we can roll out you know t-shirts with that book chat graphics or you know posters and and like i said about our book formats um when you see them and the the gloss and the ribbon you know uh bookmarks and and the uh and the foils and well our posters look exactly the same way i mean they're they're just absolutely gorgeous so we have this ability to do all of these different things and uh and that's what he wanted to do was kind of focus on being an all-in publisher for these authors and just um point of i guess curiosity and clarification so before 2015 was blackstone only licensing audio content from books published originally by other publishers or were you doing original audio no we were well? yeah we were we were doing deals with agents directly for audio okay. we were doing some you know originals but uh we were we were just in the mix for anything available in audio so a lot of times when you know when when a company didn't have their own audio division blackstone would step in but they were able to acquire you know classics like ayn rand and you know that you look at our catalog and uh the breadth is just these are these are like so many wonderful evergreen titles that again like you would only hope your children's children will have the the opportunity to listen to because they they are timeless and um that's I don't know how I feel format. about my grandniece is listening to Ayn Rand, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it all depends on your family. But it's, it's, it, it's a classic for sure. They're they're all classics. <laughs> right, and I mean, I love this like the vertical integration aspect of this. That you know, you're because you know a lot of times when the publisher invests in printing equipment, they're getting like a you know a crappy print on demand machine, and like whereas like you're looking at this from like an investment standpoint, where you're like, okay. If we're printing a book, the book should look good. We should be able to stand behind and be proud of the book. And one of the things that I wrote about in the People's Guide to Publishing Book was that this kind of <laughs> vertical integration doesn't make sense because printing is such a stable industry. And then the pandemic happened. So yeah, you were yeah. you were right. <laughs> Yeah, so that's um so what have been some of like the I mean, on that note, what have been some of the biggest successes of the past three years for you? Yeah, so aside from the, the, the evergreens, like we have James Clavell's library, right? Shogun right now, we're gearing up. We have one of the most beautiful Shogun editions, leather bound, hardcover, foil jacket, ribbon, right? Like this is this is a another classic, but we're also like, you know, Eva Rose, we're, we're doing Kathleen Ryan Howard, where we're selling 10s, 15s, 20s, like um, 
40, 50,000 copies. So we, we have the ability because we're our own printer, we're not sitting on inventory. We're not warehousing useless stock um, as much as all of these other guys, because if, if we need 300, maybe we'll print 350. If we need 3000, you know, like we're printing to the flow and an account order, you know, the way these accounts order these days, as any publisher would tell you, it is so last minute. It's so like yep. even Amazon, like they're they're ordering, you know, four weeks, six weeks ahead at best, and they're only ordering the first few weeks worth of inventory. And then they expect all of our publishers in this country to just be ready to go and have inventory and 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 you know, so it's it's the most difficult thing, but um you know, when you could just walk out of your office into our printing facility and say, all right, stop the presses on this. We need, you know, a couple of thousand of this, you know, uh, to get out in the next two days. Like we have that ability. So the vertical vertical integration is great. Um, you know, so Geneva Rose, one of the things about the quality of her book, I was just on with her yesterday, right? And, and we just acquired uh, rights to, the perfect marriage which was her blockbuster but we've been doing her books for a few years we're going to be doing them for years ahead and she wanted to reveal a cover yesterday on tiktok she has a million followers plus and, and it's just huge on social and and um she received so we stopped the press because she needed arcs over the weekend friday afternoon we put you know um home is where the bodies are her 2024 release with blackstone on the press and we sent this arc and it got you know a handful of them got to her house on uh um, yesterday morning and she holds it up yesterday she goes anthony this is the most beautiful arc i've ever seen in my life it was a hardcover edition she goes we're not doing hard we're not doing hardcover arcs are we <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, that's news to me. I, I texted my boss while we were on and he said, oh, no, I just wanted to see what it looked like, you know, um, as a sample. So I just did four Geneva, right? And and now we could fine tune that, but it, it's it's unbelievable. So like, that's the difference. We're going to do a paperback ARC, but she already had what could be close to a very finished copy and now she's saying oh well i'll do a giveaway for that i'll get tens of thousands of people to say you know like to 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 try to win that you know but um but it's that kind of thing that we can do that just nobody else can do you know and, and that's that's something to hang your hat on we're so proud of it we're working hard it, it comes along with a lot of challenges right like we're printing a book right now arate by brian johnson um, we already have pre-orders for 50,000 copies. This book is a thousand pages long and it reads wow. very quickly. It's like, it's, it's, it's not dense. You could read two, three pages. There's 451 chapters. It's, it's a self-help leadership type of book, but you could read it for, for three minutes or you could read it for 30 minutes to read it for three hours and, uh, and feel like you're getting a lot out of it. But when you need to print that, you, you you can't be doing a lot of other titles at the same time, right? So so it comes with its challenges and uh, super exciting. What we're doing is just growing so fast um, that we're trying to keep up with the flow. And we do often say we're building the car as we're going 75, 80 miles down the freeway, right? So it's like, we're, we're still needing to improve and make changes, but, um, but, 
when we launch, we launch and we're like, and, and then we pivot from there, right? Like, so, uh, so we are, we're, we're moving at, at a fast speed, which is, which is really refreshing when you're coming out of the corporate world, um, you know, so, uh, so it's, it's good times. So last question, um, what advice do you have based on all of your experience in all these different kinds of publishing worlds for publishers that are just starting out or who are smaller and looking to grow to a new level? Yeah, I mean, my my advice is, is pretty simple. And, and I like to think that um, it too is, is timeless. It's just the way I've always led and um, and operated myself. It It's really just like, keep your passion, but, you know, treat others how you want to be treated, right? And and look for those relationships. It's all about, you know, my, my biggest worry, and I do have faith in this next generation, as scary as it is, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and the world may be, I'm, I'm hopelessly optimistic. I am, um, I am always going to see that glass, like, you know, ready to be drank, but there's plenty of water to keep pouring it. It's, you know, it, it's never full, but, uh, but, but there's always tomorrow. There's always later today. There's always the next big thing. There's always the next opportunity. So I'd say stay positive, um, you know, work hard and, um, and, and just be passionate, but be good to each other and, and look for the people that, you want to work with now that i've been at this for 30 years i don't want to drop any f-bombs which i'm known to do but it's You're like on our podcast <laughs> you know do what you need to like, do you know <laughs> you, work my to boil it down it's like work with the people that want to work with you who are good to you and be good to them and it's give and take and find that win-win you know there's a lot of narcissism in the world with social media there's a lot of egomaniacs and and right and we're dealing in a culture where um publishing is these books are the author's baby so they're expecting you know nurturing and love and detailed attention and so we we all try to give as much attention as we can to every book we publish it's not easy but you know, um, when you're pouring in your heart and soul, you know, and and an author's pouring in their heart and soul, appreciate each other, and uh, and be grateful for for what you're trying to do for each other. Because can everybody always get better? Yes, but be patient because we're building things, and we know you're working on things. So so it's uh, you know. Um, it's not personal. It's, it's to me universal, right? It's 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 something that we could all kind of step back and um, and acknowledge each other. We all want the same thing at the end of the day, but like be respectful of each other and and help each other get to you know that point. So so everybody can get a little bit more of what they want and need out of life. And that's, you know, that's, that's my philosophy. It translates from life into business. And um, that's why, you know, I, I, you just, you know, corporate is, is cutthroat at times, but, um, but like I wear it on my sleeve and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm truthful, I'm honest, I'm, I'm working hard. It's, it's not brain surgery here. People's lives are not at stake 
unfortunately, but we all are trying to collectively raise, you know, um, I don't know, the, the, the world into reading more, listening more, uh, educating themselves or removing themselves uh, with fiction into, into some beautiful world that, you know, whereas, you know, the world they're in might not be um, as beautiful as they want it to be at that moment. So it's, you know, it's a feel good, it's a feel good industry. I think we're in where, uh, not a lot of, a lot of companies and, and, um, industries can say that. So we should celebrate it together. Ooh, that's great. Note and, um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.